Hello, my fellow music lovers. I'm Alison Hagendorf, and welcome to the show. This is where we celebrate the universal love of music and the rock and roll spirit that lives in each of us. Thank you so much for being part of the show. I would love for you to hit the subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube or follow the show if you're listening. I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is the Grammy-nominated musician and producer, Fever 333 frontman Jason Alon. We talk all about how growing up in a mixed-race household helped him find his unique style of music, how he and his wife, Jin Wigmore, met each other as Warp Tour outcasts, what he hopes to teach his sons, and how he became Bush frontman Gavin Rosdale's number one fan. And stay tuned after the interview for my sound advice. New music you need to know. It all starts now. First of all, look at both of us in our Fever 333 Ensemble. <laughs> you know I do. How I, I do. do. I love right? it. I love it. You love me for that, I right? really do. The thing is, the thing about you is, I was saying this over text, is you are one of the most genuine and, and almost like rare, like it's, it's rare how genuine you are about the things you care about. And I don't know. And you, it, you know, in a lot of things, a lot of things that people say or do can feel like they're trying to gas you up, right? Like make you feel good because it's kind of what we do in this industry, but you actually mean it. So when you wear a shirt, I I know that you mean it. (laughs) Thank you. I, you know, there's always like that debate, like, is it not cool to wear the band shirt to the show? I mean, I don't subscribe to that. Why would you not celebrate your passion and fervor for someone you love? Absolutely. I I think I just, I saw it on Twitter yesterday. Someone said, hey, I used like the person in the band, he was like, I used to believe that until I saw someone at my band show wearing my shirt. He's like, I've I've let go of that. I think that people should be wearing the band shirt at the band show. I mean, doesn't that make you feel good? It's so awesome. I asked Tom Morello about that because like how he he's like, oh, I always do. He's like, yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. And I think that's awesome when people wear Rage yeah. or Audio Slave shirt. I mean, how yeah. cool is that? Yeah, of course, of course. But let's talk about your outfit here. This is stunning. <laughs> this is Thank stunning. Thank you. Yeah, I designed it. Um, I designed it last year or maybe even longer ago. I designed it a while ago. Got together with one of my buddies. And then um, put all together. So it was like went from my head to a piece of paper on a bus to my buddy who's this incredible graphic designer. It comes from our world of like graffiti mm-hmm. and you know, from our area. And then move that over to another one of my friends who's an incredible um, clothing designer. So it, it there was a few iterations and a process to it. But we're done now and we're super stoked. It's Gorgeous. <laughs> Thank it's you. gorgeous. I'll get you one. Please I'll do. Get you one for Please sure. do. I for really sure. wear it with pride. That, <laughs> I know. I mean, that is stunning. <laughs> Thank I you. I was really thinking back, and Brian and I were talking about on the way here, like the first night I saw you yeah. was it was it was Labor Day weekend, 2017. <laughs> and at the time I was living across the street from the Roxy. Right. And I had people who I cared about were like, kind of can't miss this show. Yeah, I'm telling yeah, yeah. you, Allison, I know you, you're going to love it. <laughs> I'm like, I'll just like drop in for a song. Yeah, yeah. And I pull up the Roxy and you <laughs> blew my mind. Oh, like I was you. like, wait, what? <laughs> like I knew Let Live yeah, and I yeah. knew that you were a veteran, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. that moment and then like, Obviously, your acrobatics is a whole other thing. And like at one point, you were like standing on like the railing and you like fell off. You like slipped and yeah. fell off, but you like somehow made it into like a flip and a you had the biggest smile. Yeah. yeah, and you had the biggest smile on your face. And I was like, this guy is an incredible performer. Thank you. And I really appreciated that in addition to the music, the performance art of it, the craft and the like. 
it's incredible. And then, Thank you. as you know, I became obsessed. <laughs> and um, I think immediately I came into the studio. Yeah. Uh, with you, Feldy, mm-hmm. and Travis Barker. Yep. Um, yep. I actually have a photo of that. There yes, it is. Yes, I Perfect. love that photo. This was such a special day, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It really was. And that was such a, a moment. And I, I, that's when you and I really got to speak. Yeah, it was and awesome. That, and in that moment, I was like, Jason, I need to like <laughs> learn all about you. Yeah, because I was yeah. in love with your music and your performance. But when we were just sitting and, and chatting, yeah. and I was really getting to understand your heart. Thank you. That's when everything really was ingrained for me. Thank you. But that's what I'm saying, right? Again, to the point I made earlier, like you, you care. You care in a way that is... Again, like I said, rare, but also not just in music, but in general. Like, I know this is about music, but I want you as a person. Aww. You as a person, I think that that sort of energy um, proliferating throughout the world could make this, as corny as it sounds, like just such a better place. And I think that's why I'm just like today, right? I was like, I woke up with this headache and feeling this, that, and the other. And I was like, I need to be around you. Like, I, yeah, you know what I mean? I feel so much. I, and I'm not just saying this. I actually feel much better. Oh, you know? my God, Jason. Oh. Well, I just was telling you, I use your music as, like, injections. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. I need a dose of yeah, you. Yeah. I need a dose of your music. <laughs> I mean, you are on every workout list, pump-up <laughs> list. Like, if I just want to get in, like, your lyrics. Like, you are a real poet. Thank you. Um, just so much I want I want to get to with you. But I almost want to start, like, you know, once I got a, a taste of you and your music, I kind of wouldn't leave. Yeah. And I <laughs> kind of went on tour with you in the UK. I, I went to it. three shows with you it. in like it. three days. Yeah. And if you remember, it was at the O2 Academy mm-hmm. where I was literally like. Yep. Headbanging over the fucking railing. <laughs> yeah. Over the railing. Totally. Totally. Yeah. And and before that, like so people know, before that, you were giving me advice on how to take care of my body, my mind, and my spirit in right. the dress. Like, again, I just think that type of thing, it should be celebrated, you know? And I think um, for you, being able to do what you do, like, right, you're doing this show in such a way that you can show people what it means to really care about something and then be able to promote it, but also integrate yourself into the things you love Mm -hmm. and be loved by those things. And I think that we've we've created this really abstract idea of fan and performer, um, you know, industry and, and bands or artists. Like, I think that abstract nature makes it seem as though it's it's an impossibility yeah. to do this, right? Mm-hmm. To become friends, but also to be able to do business, be also be able to do art, you know. And, and um, I think that's kind of a strange thing we're, we're that we're experiencing right now in the world with the internet or yeah. you know, our phones or whatever it is. So I'm just I don't know. I'm so grateful for moments like that. You playing and seeing you just going for <laughs> over the over the railing, and then and also. Afterwards, you being like, "This is what you need to do for your body, and you need to get some rest." And, mm-hmm. and also, I remember when I was hanging off the fucking thing at um, Sonic Temple, you were like, "It was actually, I think it was called Rock on the oh, Range." Rock, at the it was time. the final Rock mm-hmm, on the Range. Mm-hmm. We shared yeah. it together. Yes, yes, yes. And you were like, "Look, I love it. I love it so much, but I love you more. Don't fall off these fucking yes. things, right?" That was that was huge because I got the whole world telling me, "Do it." Do it. Well, here's the thing. You are incredible. I mean, your acrobatics alone, and I'm not saying that like in jest, like you are an actual athlete, like <laughs> swinging from, not just swinging from rafters, like Eddie Vedder style, yeah, which yeah, I yeah, love yeah. and I grew up watching him. Like you are actually doing flips into the crowd. Like it's very impressive. And I do get nervous because yeah, I love you. Yeah, yeah. How do you sort of mentally and physically prepare for those moments? And are you, they? do you think about them in advance? Yeah, no, I mean- 
Uh, as of recent, we have um, a person with us on tour that asks me if I think I'm going to go somewhere because he wants to get the shot. Yeah. But I just find it really difficult to do that because I think I actually, if I think about it too much, I will mess it up. Right, right, You know, right, right. I, I think the preparation, I think the spontaneity offers me a type of adrenaline that is so particularly unique that if I thought about it, the adrenaline wouldn't be the same. Right. Therefore, I might fuck it up. <laughs> you know, I might, you I get might, two in your head with yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think of it a lot, um, you know, like skateboarding. I grew up skateboarding. I, I grew up playing all sports, but skateboarding like really changed a lot of things for me, the way I see the world. And I think when I was, you know, growing up skating and going, I don't know if this is possible, but today I'm going to try. And then learning about that impossibility with every attempt or every, you know, sometimes it takes days to get a trick. Right. You know? And um, I think that I just carried that on into to music, really. God, I'm just like thinking of all the things I've witnessed you do <laughs> and just like how sick it is, Thank but you. like how nerve wracking yeah. it is. Yes, it's like yes, wild. Yeah. Now, so you've obviously been doing music forever mm -hmm. in, in multiple iterations. And now with the band, the new lineup, yeah. the new iteration with the band, yeah. let's talk about that. First of all, Swing, yeah. the first new song in a while with the new lineup. It's yeah. so sick. And my favorite part is literally right out the gate, the first couple of seconds, and you're like, all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wait, can you please do it yeah, for me? That, yeah, when I, okay. Well, <clears throat> when I just go... All right, yeah. that one. Yeah. That's my favorite. That's how I feel. That's I mean, it's, my it's quite literally me trying to uh, allow, allow people into the booth with me. Like that was literally, I think I was talking to the engineer. Yeah. I, I was just like, all right. Like, and then I was, and then we just keep it rolling. And then I was like, keep that shit. You do that in your music. Yeah. And that, I can feel that spontaneity. I can yeah. tell that things weren't planned. It's just how yeah. you felt and it came out. Absolutely. And please always keep those things thank in. Thank you. Yeah. Because yeah, if you. you think about your favorite artists, like that breath, you like, hear it. And you're like, please keep that breath Absolutely. in. Keep that in. Absolutely. The, that, that like, um, chick, chick, palm mute, uh, and creep before yes. the chorus. Like, you know, things like that. I used to listen to this band. They're, I just got to give them their flowers. It's a band called Irreverent Fear. They were, at the time, they were like a Christian metalcore band, but they were incredible. And this man, his name was Jared. He's, he's a friend of mine now, but at the time I was just a fan. He would have these breaths and he would not only keep them, but he would boost them in the mixes. Wow. So you could hear that. And I, it's just, I don't know. It's that sort of tangible feeling. It's, yeah. Again, right? We're living in a world that is so processed yes. and so premeditated and, you know, so filtered. Filtered and polished. It's so polished. And, and contrived. I, it's so contrived. And look, at the end of the day, like that for some people, that's what they do, right? That's what they want to do. They want to achieve this level of uh, of pristine, if you will. And that's fine, but it is getting tired. Yeah. You know, it, and we, we as artists- and I think uh, it's dangerous. I do too. Straight up. Straight up I do toxic. Too. I do too. I do too. It's it's a complete- fallacy and, and a misrepresentation of what is possible. Right. Right. Like we were just talking about the impossibility and, yeah. and working towards it. These things are not possible. And you see it, you see some incredibly influential people in, you know, in, in the industry or entertainment saying, I, I kind of wish I didn't do that a mm -hmm. few years ago and show people that, or, or make people believe that this was real. Right. When right. it's not, right. you know, so it's interesting. Yeah, it's a weird thing because, you know, social media and stuff like that can be great. It'd be a mm. wonderful way to connect and totally. a wonderful outlet and a way to connect your music with fans and totally. connect with fans. But at the same time, it can be such a dark, toxic place. And Absolutely. as an artist, I feel for you guys because it's sort of a necessary evil yeah. because it's such a great way to celebrate your music. Yeah. But how do you personally sort of 
balance it all? That's a great question, Ali. I'm honestly in this strange moment of limbo with all of that because I, I am trying to figure out where I exist on these platforms. Yeah. And how do I um, present myself in a way that isn't, you know, degenerative to the message and to whatever amount of authenticity I can offer when it seems like this abounding sense of disingenuous (laughs) activity. So um, I I really try, like I I sincerely try to be as vulnerable vulnerable as I can um, while understanding that this is algorithmic, right? I understand that if I'm going to reach however many people, I do kind of need to understand how it's working, Mm -hmm. right? I need to understand like when or what the post looks like or what it reads like or whatever. Um, But in doing so, I think, and for artists in general, I I sincerely believe that if you are unique and endemic to yourself, right? If you have something that is unique to to offer, I think that that's going to be the most important thing that people care about at the end of the day. Um, And sometimes it takes forever. You know, sometimes it takes years for people to actually hear you because there's so much noise. Yes. But if there's one thing I could say to artists or just people in general is, um, you are special. If you believe you're special and you can create something that is unique and, and different, then just keep moving with that. I, I had a moment in this game, like a really, really brief moment where I was like, oh, do I do this? This thing that I swore I would never do. Yeah. And I thought about it. And that was the moment where I, you know, had a, I actually had to sort of extract myself from everything. And there was a moment where I went pretty quiet on like socials and just everything. I was like, this is crazy. Yeah. It's too much. So. That's why a lot of artists like I'm taking a break, yeah. you know, and I get that. I respect that. Yeah. We all need to. We do. Yeah. We do. I don't, I just don't think we're, I don't think we're built for this. I, I know. I think it's a real big experiment that we're all in the middle of right now. And we're seeing um, the over under, you know, mm-hmm. we're like, well, this, I mean, yeah, sure. You get, you might get this endorsement, but you give up. It's a tale as old as time though. Yes. You know, how many artists have been like, uh, yes, I'm literally the biggest artist in the world right now. And I'm so depressed. Yes, of course. You know, of course. It's just another iteration of that. I believe at the end of the day, it's about human connection, Absolutely. tangible, Absolutely. in-person Absolutely. connection. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, Got to, and I think it's interesting too for us as artists because typically from what I've like understood, from what I understand and have garnered um, and observed is that we're all like, we get into this because it's a pretty frenetic and, and volatile lifestyle. So you, for you to willingly yes. go and, and participate. <laughs> to choose this Yeah, path. to choose yeah. that. There's something. Yeah. Yeah. That. It's not, you know, not everything is, is aligned the way that maybe it should be if you want to have a calm life, right? Right. And I, I had to realize that about myself early on. And, you know, not only my behavior on stage, but my behavior off stage mm-hmm. and how I would be in my romantic relationships yeah. or my family relationships and trying to understand that what I believe to be a superpower on stage might have been detrimental to me outside of it. Yeah. You know, and I, th- I think that we all need to understand that um, there's more to this than just the the one facet that we're focused on. Right. Whether that be the internet or our podcast or mm-hmm. us as parents or yes. us as performers, it's multifaceted. And that's something artists struggle with is like you get that high and that adrenaline on stage 100%. and then you don't know how to function without that feeling. A hundred percent. Right. And it's it's so fabricated to me. Mm-hmm. I remember being on Warped Tour in my old band in Let Live and seeing, you know, their homies, but just seeing them 
almost de- like they were deified and then accepting the deification, right? Like right. almost like standing upon this proverbial soapbox. And then I always found it so funny that you'd be in Warp Tour and you couldn't get from, you know, the fucking Vans tent to your homie stage in the crowd. But then you go to Burger King right around the corner and no one gives a fuck about you. <laughs> right, Do you know what I'm saying? Right, like no one totally. cares. And yeah. I, so I think that we create, um, we create these ideas of ourselves um, based on the, the environment we're in. Right. You know, and I think if you believe your own hype for too long, then you might go a little crazy. Yeah, absolutely. I think at the end of the day, when you keep yourself grounded and you're like, we're just human beings. Yeah, yeah. And really, fundamentally, we all just want the same thing. Totally. So we really do right? at the core of it. Absolutely. So absolutely. I think it's important as long as we kind of check ourselves mm-hmm. daily mm-hmm. and surround ourselves with other people who share our values and our priorities, totally. then you totally. can kind of stay. Absolutely. And I think that's when you find happiness. A hundred percent. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm on that journey right now again is having like a, two kids and a career and a partner and trying to somewhat understand myself in society, like yeah. as an, an, a normalish person. You know, I go to my kid's school and I talk to these parents and, yeah. and just yeah. trying to, <laughs> just trying to understand myself in that position as yeah. well. And I, 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 I found it interesting and, and Jen, my wife was saying that she's like, why don't you just tell people what you do? Right. I always skirt around the the thing. I, I never say I'm a musician. I'm always like, oh, like, I'm, I, I, what are you doing? I was always had to go for work. What's work? Oh, I, I do music. I don't say I'm a musician or I'm in a band. That's interesting. I never do it. And I think it's because I'm so afraid. And again, this is an insecurity. Whereas before I thought it was healthy, but I think it's actually not. I think that I'm so afraid of being perceived as someone that I am not an arrogant musician, a, a, pers- a person that see, believes they're a rock star. I see. I'm so afraid of that because I think that there's a, an uncertainty in myself that I just won't even talk about it. Okay. You know, got it. it. It's not it's even like being, an overcompensation. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's not being humble, it's just being afraid. Like, I'm right. afraid. You actually posted something recently that resonated with me. It was this mm. beautiful carousel photos of you. And by mm. the way, whoever takes these photos oh, are gorgeous. You. Is That's this my Jen? Boy, D- it's my boy DJ. Oh, DJ. Yeah, we do DJ a lot is together. crushing it. Yeah, he's these beautiful photos of you. you. And it was about facing a fear. Yeah. And I loved that you posted about that. Yeah. What was that fear you were referring to in that moment? Or was it more of like an abstract feeling of yeah. fear? I mean, it, it, honestly, I was looking, if I'm being super honest. Yes. I was looking at the photos and the last photo, <laughs> one of my best friends who, who, who supported me in the beginning of my career and I love her to death. So she can say this. She said, <laughs> she, <laughs> said, uh, she said, yeah, you know, I remember you as, um, you know, you were like the local heartthrob or the, the rock star. But that last photo of you looks like a taxi driver who's had too much time on his hands, ate too much pizza and was tired from too many rides. Like she hit me with such a, such oh a s- specific thing that was so like, aggressive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, it's so like unattractive. And, and I actually, that's why I post. And I said this, I could actually show you the text. I said, you know, what's so funny about that is that's why I posted it. I was looking through these photos and I was like, yeah, I could put this one and I could post. And there's, I, I don't even, we didn't edit and we put like a filter to actually enhance, you know, some like wrinkles by my eyes or like some grays in my beard. Cause I, 
because I want to start showing people that like there's a beauty, right. there's a beauty in what we become. Of course. And, and you know, because it's inevitable. Yes. If if our baseline is thinking about what we were, then the fear of the future is gonna is will destroy us. You know, and I and I think so. I was looking at these photos and I was like, okay, this one looks pretty cool. And you know, admittedly, I was like, oh, I think I look pretty cool in this one. But this one also should be in there because yeah, I don't look as uh, dapper or I don't look as like, you know, fit in that one. And even if it was just the angle, I wanted to put that photo there. And because of that, it started to make me think about fear yes. and who I present as um, publicly. So that's why I did it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad you did. I personally liked all of the photos of you, you. but like I'm, I'm with that because I think being able to age is a gift that you get to evolve. Absolutely. And, you know, as a woman in entertainment, mm. I don't wish that I were 20. Right. I don't wow. at all. Yeah, wow. I really don't That's at amazing. All. That's amazing. And I, I think especially for, for men, they almost have like, okay, it's okay for men to yeah. like silver fox. Yeah, and like, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, Brad yeah. so gorgeous. And yeah. he is. George <laughs> yeah. Clooney. Yeah. But for women, we don't get the same, right. you know, like, oh, like she looks older or whatever. Um but I, and I don't really struggle with that. I'm, no. I'm sort of happy with where I am. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sort of. I am happy. No, with, yeah. I am happy with where I am. I I plan on aging as gracefully Absolutely. and being healthy mentally, emotionally, and physically, Absolutely. and just doing my best. I don't wish I were 20, and I wish that everyone sort of felt that way. But you know what? I think, and I think this is. I think it's really good to, that we touch on this right now. Yeah. Because you make an active and conscious effort to. Um, take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm saying? In I a do. way that is yeah. healthy, a healthy way of taking it. And you're, and you know, you're gorgeous. Obviously your, your husband is well aware of this and you're gorgeous and you're strong and you're mentally fit and you're physically fit and, and all these things, but, but it's because you try. Mm-hmm. And I think what the thing that I've been facing recently is um, like being mixed, right? So I'm, I've, I've got certain um, qualities that you hear like, oh, black don't crack. Blah, blah, blah. And, and people saying it to me, you know, cause like I'm, I'm 38 now and people being like, Wow, you look, and so I'm. I'll find my. I'll catch myself sometimes being like, "Am I?" And I'll look in the mirror and I'll be like, "Am I aging like that?" And I'll be like, "Oh man, no." They just see it like the light, or so. I think that I actually just uh, reached out to a trainer again because I was like, I need to get my body and mind and spirit aligned. Yes. And I seriously, I thought about you. I thought about how you look at fitness as something. Um, beneficial for your soul yes. as a way I it's see meditative. it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and although you can, uh, you can be seen physically as you know stunning, you are really giving this energy. Like when I see these photos of you doing things and your, your body is like flexed and all this, <laughs> it, but I'm, I actually get like, I just got chills thing. I just, it's the energy Aww. that I'm taking from it. And, and, and I think that the sort of physical, um, the physical, perception that we take on fitness is can be a little um it can be hazardous mm-hmm. you know oh, yeah you know what i mean absolutely i have the healthiest relationship with fitness and eating that i've ever had in my entire life wow and i've done it all wow. and i've done i have been the most intense extreme person and i have to tell you that I, and i think it's becoming a mother has been yeah. a massive part of that yeah, yeah. Um, because it changes priorities and it's been a gift for me to sort of it takes the pressure off yourself yeah, yeah. and that's been a beautiful gift right. but also and i'm sure you can relate to this 
you get confused about like, what's your identity. Totally. And your identity is constantly evolving and growing and wavering. But totally. like my whole life, I was like fit. I was yeah. like out and about. Yeah. I was like electric. Yep. And, you know, and then, well, one, as you age and two, as you have children, mm. I'm like, okay, well, then I had a I had babies. So like I wasn't like fit according to myself sure. and what I was used to doing sure. a CrossFit class five days a week. Right. Like gone are those days. And by the way, I don't like wish I were doing that. Right, I'm right, happy with where I am right. now. But like then your 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 mind gets a little bit like wait who am I right right who am right. I like you like being with like the the parents at your at your kid's school like yes. who am I how yes. do I explain to myself <laughs> absolutely and to strangers like absolutely. who I am absolutely. it's almost like overwhelming yes yes and as a parent and an artist or a person in the industry or entertainment. The thing that I keep remind are being reminded of is that my kids don't give a fuck about <laughs> right, who I right, am on stage. Right. They don't. They will see me and think that was sick, and that's it. Like that's it. We go back to well, Dad. Now I want um, a squeezy, or right, I want to totally. go skate, or whatever it is. And I think that that, as much as it can be confusing, it can be really grounding too. Yes, because all they want is you, right? Because the apparition on stage or these, this presenter in your pocket, like that's a personality. Yeah. And there are absolutely one million percent things that I would never say as a performer that I say to my wife, right. that I say to my best friends. Like that's just the reality, right? I'm not going to sit here and, 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 and claim that every single thing that I do in my real life or, you know, my life off stage, I, I will do on stage. Right. That's just not reality. Right, and I think, not. I think it's unhealthy too. I think that you do need to have um, some sort of boundary because a, a lot of, it's a show. I mean, a lot it's of it a is show. a show. It's a show. It's a show. Mm-hmm. It, imagine me doing what I do on stage on the street. I would be institutionalized. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> isn't, be that, arrested isn't that crazy? And, and yes, admitted. Isn't, yeah. isn't that so crazy? Yeah. Like you can, I can do all these and everyone's like, Wow, that's amazing. But if I were to do that literally just outside of festival grounds, I'd be like, call 911. Right. This man needs help. No, it's a, it's an experience you're creating. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And of course, you know, we we experience relative to where we are, when we are, who we are. Yeah. And in that moment, that's who I am. I'm this I'm this performer and I want to if I can offer some sort of vessel-like embodiment of these feelings. And again, like I said, pushing, pushing. And I, I know you understand me on this. I believe like when I was doing, playing sports or when I was, you know, working out, it was the extra rep. Yeah. It was the, it was the extra yes. mile, yes. you know, and, 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 and everyone, I remember people, my coaches being like, whoa, that's, wow, physically it's, no, no, honestly, it's about my mind. Yes. It's so that my mind can expand, can go a little bit further so that I can deal with whatever I'm about to go home to, right. whatever I had, you know, my breakup before, whatever it was. Yeah. And so I think it's sort of dressing these things up as more of a mental and spiritual thing mm-hmm. versus the physicality of it. I think we'll have healthier relationships with them. Absolutely. You know? And your wife, Jen, Jen Wigmore, yeah. you know, I have met <laughs> and spent time with prior to even knowing you. Yeah. And I love, love Jen. She's yeah. an incredible She's artist. I interviewed her back like in 2000, like eight or nine. That's amazing. I think. That's and I, she was such a badass yeah, yeah, she rock is. star. So I was not surprised when I learned the two of you <laughs> yeah. were together. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that your relationship, having such a solid partner mm. is yeah. everything. Oh my gosh. It honestly, t- t- it's, I met, when I met Jin, 
2013 on Warp Tour, actually. So I met her before you met her. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did. Yeah. Tell me how you guys met. I love this. Oh, yeah. well, I, so we were, my, my old band Let Live was playing Warp Tour. And we were kind of like somewhat like black sheep, just because, again, the way we perform, the music we play, of course, was within the scene, but it was just different-ish. So we kind of had our own little thing going on. And Jin was complete fish out of water. Like right, right. her management at the time tried to do the Katy Perry thing that they did with Katy Perry yes. with Jin. Put her on war tour. Yes. She'll find herself a little Travi McCoy from Jim Crossheroes, whatever. <laughs> and actually it happened. <laughs> You're her Travi so, McCoy. Yeah, yes, absolutely, yes. right? Just a foot shorter. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they did that. They put her out on that tour. And um, I, I know this is going to sound way like cinematic or, you know, uh, super hyperbolic, but this is true. I was with my best friend. I had just broken up with my then girlfriend. And here we go. See, being super vulnerable. I was talking to her and I said, um, you know, I don't think we should be together anymore. She's, she's talking, talking, talking. I was like, look, I just, I, did, I just don't think we should be together. And you know, when you're having a relationship ending, there's all these feelings coming up. Yes. And she's like, how do we work it out? And I was like, look, um, we're not in love. So I had to say things that were quite like at the time, quite hurtful. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I, I remember certain things coming out of my mouth only because I wanted to be honest being like, I'm not in love. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's not the appropriate place to be in a relationship, especially after the time we'd been together. So it's never going to happen. But when that happened, when that left my mouth, I remember thinking, Oh, this isn't for me. Like I'm not supposed to be married. I don't even know about like long-term commitment, but I really wanted to be a father. Like since I, weirdly, as since I was like in middle school, I was like, I want to be a dad. So my best friend, I love him. I was like, yo, could we like trick an adoption agency into believing that we're together and that we, and we could like adopt a kid? He's like, yeah, we could do that. So this is my, tr- that's the path I'm on. Wait, I cannot believe this plan. Okay, I swear okay. to you. Like, this is that, unbelievable. That's the path I'm on. I'm like, <laughs> I'm going to raise a kid with my best friend, even if he gets a wife or, or I'm still going to like, that's what we're going to do. So I was like really setting my life up to be like, that's cool. I don't need to get married. I'm going to adopt this kid, whatever. I'm going to trick the adoption agency. It's going to be great. And then I was walking with my best friend. He had just moved to San Diego. It was the Chula Vista date of Warp Tour. We are talking to two young women and I was pl- kind of playing wingman. You know, I was kind of like scarred from the relationship, playing wingman. And I heard this, I know this is going to sound so corny. I heard this voice. Like but a, Jen has that voice though. Uh, right? I get it. Right? She has that voice. I heard it from like however far away and you know how kind of. It carries. Yes. It projects. Yes. yes. And I was like. I would know nothing about that. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was like, what is that? And I looked at my best friend, his name is Andrew. I was like, Drew. I got to go see who this is. And, you know, he's such an uh, incredible friend. He was like, okay, sorry, see ya. And so we left. And I walked to this stage and I see Jin. And I was like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> outwardly beautiful, yes. cool. Then she was talking stage. I was like, oh, she's quite funny, quippy, you know, kind of talking shit. Like, I like yes. that. So afterwards, I think it was the next day, um, we were in like Vegas or something or two days later. And I was... I didn't talk to her. I'm sitting down playing guitar. I was f- much more fit at the time. Had my shirt off. It was hot. It was Vegas. She walks by. I was like, oh, perfect. I'm like slightly sweating. So I'm glistening. <laughs> You're glowing. <laughs> yeah, I'm just glowing. And I was like, yeah. let me put the door down real quick. I walk up to her. Or I like, and I say, hey, um, loved your show. It was amazing. You know, I just thought, 
I thought we, I was going to like spark a conversation. And she literally goes, thanks, mate. And walks away. <laughs> like just walked away. Oh I, I couldn't like, look, <laughs> again, I know earlier I was talking about, oh, I was afraid of seeing me arrogant. But look, I was in my prime. I was like, I was and like. she's like, peace, bro. She was like, anyway, yeah. like, wow. So that was actually quite like, it was super humbling. And then we didn't talk. And then I, her band were fans of my band and we ended up uh, having a lunch together one day at the, you know, in the mess hall or whatever. Yeah. And I, we were telling crazy stories and I had this crazy story about one of my homies who lost their fiance to a, a crocodile. I know this sound. I know it's something I'm making this shit up. <laughs> a crocodile. All right, I mean, that's insane. That's horrifying. No, it's horrifying. A pe- it's a long story, but that literally happened. My homie, if any of my homies were here, they would corroborate. Oh my God. It happened. Okay. It fucking happened. They went back and told the story to Jin, but they, I guess it was like the guy who over here thought it was my Ew, story. Right. So she was like, like the game of telephone. Yes. yes. So she's like, oh, this broken, this broken man. I need to go talk to him. So we started talking and um, that was it. You know, we, we became friends and it wasn't until like into our relationship. She asked me about it. She's like, so I just like, what about the crocodile in your face? I was like, oh, that wasn't me. That was my homeboy. She's like, that's the only reason I gave me to talk to you. <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The c- crocodile tears. I oh mean, my really? God. Yeah. So that's how we met. That is an <laughs> unbelievable story. That's like Insane. a cosmic kind of story. Oh, totally. That's like totally. Of, in the stars. Once we got, like, once we started kicking it, I mean, we were like, we were dancing in horse stalls outside of the warp tour that we Aww. found with to like Erica Badu. Okay. Like we were, yes. you know what I'm that saying? That was like, it. It was meant to be. And, and I was so, and again, to the, to the point where I was like, I actually, I literally said, I'm never getting married. Yeah. I was, I was married a year later. That's how it goes. Yeah. It's all about the person and timing. Right. It's that's it. It's those two things. It's the right. right person at the right time. Totally. That's it. Totally. Totally. And that, and, and that, may sometimes may never happen which right, is crazy right 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 so you gotta it could be the right person at the wrong time absolutely yes. talk to me about this new chapter of music yeah it's uh oh yeah we were talking about swing which, yeah 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 <laughs> um one more time all right <laughs> all right <laughs> <laughs> can't get enough of it um so the new lineup, the yeah. new band, this new era. T- just yeah. tell me more about it. Honestly, it's like it's like the it's the era of of funk in in punk rock. I feel like with this with this group, we got Thomas Pridgen, who is has been one of my favorite drummers since I was like nineteen. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was somebody that I heralded as one of the best, tr- just drummers. Like forget right. rock or funk or gospel or just the best drummer. Just transcends genre. Just, just a great drummer. Incredible. Yeah. You know. So. He's played for in some of my favorite groups, right? Like Mars Volta. Love Mars Volta. You know what I'm saying? Oh my God. Like to trash. And his his performance on that Bedlam album is crazy. It's crazy. Is crazy. It is. So it is. Having him with his background, obviously coming from the church and then going through Mars Volta, even playing with Trash Talk, his understanding of the funk and punk is perfect. Yeah. And that's what you need, right? Like it, it rhythmically, right? You like if you're on drums. Yeah. If you want it to feel funky, if you want to groove, it's like, it's so, so incumbent upon drums and bass. Yes. Which brings me to April K. Yeah. Who is just a, a queen, you know, it's just so incredible. Her, her power on stage is something I've never felt. And her presence 
is something I've never felt. And obviously her talent is goes without saying. She's incredibly talented as a bass player. But her her mind and her heart and her spirit, when we're on that stage, I seriously, I've never actually kind of felt like it's ever been a competition, but she would be my competitor. That's amazing. She is so incredible. And what it is, 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 is her, her nature is just, uh, so it's like a unicorn. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. so having that, and I, and I just, I just love her and like love having her around. And then I don't know, I just feel super blessed. And with Brandon, I've known Brandon guitar, new guitarist for over a decade now. And we just kind of linked because we were, you know, people of color in this space touring. We would cross paths and we were in bands and it'd always be like, yeah, I get it. And then we became friends and it was, we always kind of talked about like, oh, maybe one day or maybe this might happen. And then when it was time for me to put this new outfit together, he was like one of the first people I thought of. It was kind of like a no brainer. Mm -hmm. And he's extremely talented, extremely like down. Like that's the thing is. The energy, and I can't wait for you to yes. come hang with us. The energy is just like everyone is just so happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And then they, when when we get on stage, everyone turns into like this monster performer of themselves. And then we get back off stage and we're just kicking it. It's so special. Yeah, it's amazing. That is such a gift. It's, I cannot wait to see this new iteration. Yeah, yeah, it's tight. And you're working on new music? Yes, okay. yes. Yeah, I got like, I don't know, like over a hundred songs. Wow. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's, it's silly. Wow. It's like ridiculous. Talk to me about your process. Yeah. Are so, you constantly writing? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Like today I'll go and write. Okay. Um, I'll just, I just, um, again, it's meditative, right? It's, yes, it's, it is. it's the thing that makes me feel if I'm having a, a hard time or a day or I can't get myself together. If I write, it kind of just fills that space. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I started in bands, right? So we would all jam together and and that was what we did. And sometimes we would take like months on a song, you know, and we'd be doing other things at the time, but we'd always return to like this one or whatever. And then as I got a little older, I started to, you know, I always wanted to be a multi-instrumentalist. Um, I just didn't have the money to get like mm-hmm. a bass, a drums, blah, blah, all this stuff. So I play all my friend's stuff. One of my, one of my earlier best friends who I spoke with this morning, I would play his drums. And I had a guitar and then the bass of my bass player and the keys because my dad had them. So I grew up wanting to be a multi-instrumentalist. So I, I, I started to try and then realized I don't have the time for this. And so I'm able to demo everything myself if that's I need great. to. So that's kind of um, what, what I was doing earlier, like the middle of my writing career or whatever. And then I met John Fellman. Seriously. Yeah. And I met John Fellman and it changed everything. Um, it changed the way that I look at quality. It changed the way that I look at, uh, you know, the, the expedient nature or how it can't, how it, you don't have to necessarily, um, be so precious in the moment, just be honest in the moment versus so heady, right? Like thinking like, oh, it's just, you know, um, so John changed the way that I look at writing. Um, and that was, oh my gosh, over to, oh my gosh, I think I was like 20 four or 23. So over 14 years ago. Wow. Yeah. Um, so that, that, and so my process is this, I just think anything, literally anything like you, you, um, said something earlier and it started making my brain tick and I'll take that today and I'll go, what does this mean? Is there a metaphor here? Does it, does it inspire this? And, And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, but I'll take anything, a sound, 
um, a word, uh, a movie, and and just try to see what type of inspiration I can draw from that so that it becomes unique. Because I think if I do the same thing every time, it's just going to get fucking boring. Right, right. You know? Um, but yeah, just inspiration wherever you can where, get it, wherever like and I know that it's annoying to a lot of people close to me because I'll be on my phone, like talking into my phone <laughs> as, as we're at a movie or, right. um, you know, whatever. But it's just uh, and it's definitely ADHD. <laughs> <laughs> that too. You know, it's that definitely too. ADHD. Yeah. But yeah. That's and so the process is um, just go for it. Do whatever at this point now. And I, I'm so lucky to have so many talented people, engineers, guitar players, drummers. Um, that all over the world now, because of you know you can do it yes remotely. That want to work that way, so that's just what I do. That's cool. Yeah, you mentioned earlier your dad's keyboard. Yes. I want to I want to learn more about your upbringing. Yeah, and being from a, a mixed racial yeah. family, and just tell me all about your music, like your earliest musical memories, and what and and how music became like an outlet for you. Yeah, my my first. Musical memories are my father covering Sade and playing his own music. Like in the garage, a smoke-plumed garage, weed smoke from him and his homies. Like that's literally the first memories I have of music. And I remember thinking that it felt, not that it necessarily, it did look cool. Like his friends and him just looked cool playing music, but it felt so cool. It felt like we were, I was a child, obviously, but my earliest experience of transcending mm-hmm. was with music right. was like because you know we was we were off the back of my father getting played super you know be, uh, you know hard by the his managers and the label he was with Arista at the time and his managers played him like we was you know I didn't I don't remember this but my mom told me recently you know we were homeless for a, a, a moment and we was living in like motels and cars because of what had happened to my father, who was touted as like well, the next prince. Apparently, people were like, you know, put out this album Cream City in the late 70s. And everyone's like, this is amazing. He's playing with Marvin Gaye. He was in Little Richard's band. He was it's in war. Crazy. He's in Eric Burden. He was in Eric Burden and the Animals. He did the Stop album. Like, so he was doing it, but he was just a, a brother from the Midwest, Milwaukee, that came over here and didn't really have any idea of how it worked. And being black in the industry at that time, it was much, much, just just frequent exploitation, right? And being taken advantage of. So that's what happened. And um, I, he, t- he tells a story that he was walking onto a private jet or whatever, yeah, private plane at the time. And his manager, one of his managers, two, came up and was like, oh, we just need you to sign this real quick. And he's like, what is it? And he tells oh him God. and he signs it. And it was like everything. I can't. You know what I'm saying? His music's like on the boondocks and it's been Kendrick Lamar's, um, like one of his primary producers, like samples. Issue. Like it's it's everywhere, but we see, he sees nothing. He sees nothing. So that's my uh, first idea of music. And my parents were like, nope, like you're not doing this as a career. Right. You're going to go and be academic. You're going to go and do sports and you're going to get out of here, but you're not doing music. So it was like, um, yeah, I was just like really, really focused on trying to find how I could sneak into his garage and play his keys or how I can learn the guitar. And eventually they got me a, a guitar from the pawn shop when I was like 11. Or, and uh, that was it. I just started writing songs. And my whole idea of it was that this industry was fucked, like sincerely. That's just what I thought. I was like, well, 
they just want to play you. So that's why punk rock and backpack rap and underground hip hop were so appealing to me because it felt like they lived outside of that. Yes. You know, it wasn't, you weren't, you weren't looking for a record deal or nothing like that. You were always just creating your own space, your own mm -hmm. records, your own scenes, your own venues. And that was so amazing to me. Also, it was like inextricable um, from, from skateboarding too, right? It was right. all the videos, all that. So, you know, that was really how I started and it just never stopped, you know? And as me and my father may have become like a little more estranged at the time, you know, during my like high school years, I just went fully into music, almost like an act of rebellion. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's what, that's what right. art most oftentimes is, but that's what I did. And that's what I, and I've never looked at it differently. Like I've just never seen it differently. It's right. always just like this, this obviously act of rebellion and uh, a presentation of your soul and spirit and trying to find a space where we can all coexist and feel something different just for, even for an hour. But that's kind of how yeah. it all came to be. Also, when you're figuring out who you are and your identity, music can be the perfect compass. Oh my gosh. Right? Allie, I mean, oh my gosh, yes. Yes, because I was, I was so confused. I, was, I grew up in a black neighborhood. I was light-skinned. My hair was different back then. It was like bigger, like it was like more Afro-y. And so that was like my, that's all I knew was like black culture, R&B, soul, funk, hip hop, like all that. Was, that's all I knew. And then I got, I started, I was the only, like literally the only kid with a skateboard in my hood, like, mm -hmm. or even, even surrounding hoods. I was the only kid. And because of that, you know, it's obscure, it's odd and people want to say and do things t towards you. And so I had to learn, um, how much do I love this, right? How much do I love this alternative shit? Because if I, if I have to l quite literally fight my right. way through it, then I better love this shit. Right. And, and so that's what I did. And then, you know, my dad being in the music he was in and the culture he's from, and then my mom is Scottish. Like, she's white. <laughs> <laughs> she's white. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, real white. And so I got like ABBA and Meatloaf and, uh -huh. you know, and like, sh and, and Rod Stewart and Tom Jones. And so that was, and I loved it all. Right. I loved it all. I loved all of it. So when I started doing music, I really wanted to find this amalgam of, of all those things, you know, and, and I found my space, although, you know, a very crude representation of it, I, I found my space in like punk rock and soul. Mm -hmm. together that was like my thing right yeah so what role did gavin rosdale and bush play in your life literally he's the reason i wanted to play guitar wow seriously i got i heard glycerine and because my uncle my scottish uncle came into he, he flew in to la he was staying with us he gave me a radio head album okay computer which was like too heady for me at the time i'm like Amazing. what the hell right and then i was but then and then he gave me 16 stone yeah and that was it that was it, it like i was obsessed obsessed trying to write songs like come down and you know uh machine head and and plus gavin's Zen. persona on stage his come on. presence i mean come on yeah he's like ethereal he's like a he's like a a male fairy you know like <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like his to this day, like even his his physique, yeah, his like he's look, gorgeous, his yeah. voice, his um, but he believes in his art that he is an artist. Yes, because you know I started to talk to him like really thanks to like you and my previous manager, previous manager Peter Katzis, 
um, we, so we got to like start talking and I yeah. couldn't, oh my God, you should see the amount of times I like screenshotted <laughs> it, like his name on my phone, texting me to my friends. I'm like, can you believe this? Um, I remember when he was a guest on this show, you and I talked after you're like, you don't understand I'm the biggest fan. No, like, seriously. He's, he, he is, when people ask me what my favorite band is, it's Bush. I love. I should have worn my Bush shirt on top of the yeah. 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 <laughs> it, 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 seriously, and and for people, I think people need to understand how incredibly uh, unique that album is. Yes. If you really think about it, right? His the, the the sort of like abstract nature of the lyrics and the way yeah. he was able to make you sing those words, mm-hmm. even though I didn't know what the fuck he was talking about. Sometimes I'd be like, uh, right. I wanted to, f- to know because I could feel how he felt. Yes. And the, I mean, also like kind of like the post grunge era, um, the, the, the catching, the hookiness of it, but still being like gritty. Come also on. being from the UK. I know. He really had a sort of like, he, I mean, he was told countless times to like his voice wasn't the right voice or like, you know, it's just that he was doing mm-hmm. the wrong thing. It didn't yeah. fit in, yeah. you know? Yeah. May all those things propel us and yes. keep and drive us. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. There's that moment of him playing Glycerine in the rain at the MTV Spring Break um, episode. And it's like literally one of the most amazing I know. moments. I it's epic. It's, it's actually so epic. Good. So good. You are Grammy nominated. That's crazy. You huh? are Grammy nominated. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, and I have a moment, <laughs> a picture of us. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yes. And Feldy was on the show and we actually talked about oh. how special this moment was with, with you and Bring Me the Horizon. I love and that. this was a special moment because we were really celebrating rock as yes. a genre and as a culture and songwriting and a community. Totally. Which is the most important thing to me. Totally. What does that mean to you being Grammy nominated? Is that something you care about? Is it something that you think about or what drives you? No, I, mm-hmm. I, I don't think about it. Um, when we were there, I wanted to make sure that I just utilized the platform to just get the message out. Mm-hmm. And especially at the time, I mean, there were like people straight like cutting me off because I was like, you know, I think that black people have been exploited, especially particularly here at the Recording Academy. Right. So, <laughs> so, so I was just using the platform as best I could and as gracefully as I could without, you know, you can't like uh, attack a paradigm um, inside the paradigm, right? Like if you're inside the vessel and you're like, this is wrong, you know, people are going to look at you like crazy or they're going to treat you like crazy. So I was trying to have like finesse when I was there and be like, this is what I believe. Mm-hmm. And since we're here, my, my larger mission and my you know, beliefs and, and um, ideals when it comes to social and uh, sociological elements in society, like that's, you just have to listen to one song, you'll get it. But I wanted to talk particularly about the Recording Academy and, you know, black, brown, POC artists, um, our involvement in not only the culture, but um, elevating and evolving it for so long. And then the rap, the rock category, right? Specifically, black people being so instrumental in rock and roll to begin with. Do you know what I mean? Of course. I mean, speaking of Little Richard, right? It's like, oh my God. Um, it's like, I just wanted to say that. I felt like that was, I feel like in, in life, you're going to get all these opportunities to say things. But like you said, like love, it may not be the right place or time. So I chose to speak on that while I was there um, as best I could and try to get people to hear it. 
You do an incredible job, though, I will say. You have very high social and emotional intelligence Mm -hmm. because the keys of communication is not just saying what you have to say. Right. It's saying it so it'll be received. Absolutely. And I feel like you are very good at that and very adept. And that's a skill. Thank you. Because communication is two ways. Absolutely. It's not people just speaking out. Absolutely. It has to land. Absolutely. And I thought that was a great opportunity for you to yeah. share what your mission is and what your message is. And Thank you did you. it very gracefully, like you said, and, and tactfully. And I applaud you for that. Thank you. Because that's you. what it's all about. It's communicating in a way that can be received. I mean, imagine that, right? Imagine if right. if we could- Everyone did that. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. If we could just sit and talk, mm-hmm. imagine that. Like it's a, and I've got- A two-way conversation. Right, right. And just hear, hear have it hit back at you, yeah. right? Like volley. I, I don't know. I find it really interesting. I've got really, really radical um, leftist friends and there's so many, obviously I subscribe to so much of that. Um, while, But at the same time, I still want to talk to people that don't. Right. <laughs> you know, I, yes. I still want to know what they think and feel because it would be so wa- profoundly arrogant to believe that everything I think is right. Right. Like that's crazy to think like that. Well, it's all about perspective of and course. experience. Of course. Yeah. And, and you think, you know, I, I found that when, when we travel, I behave in ways, I, I have to adjust the way I behave when I'm in different cultures. So imagine you know, America being one of the largest countries in the fucking world with all these different people, you know, living on top of each other and smashing into each other and coming from here and immigrating from here to create this country. Imagine thinking that the way I I think in Los Angeles, California is the way someone thinks in Casper, Wyoming. Mm -hmm. And then to tell them, to come and tell them, but but you should. You should think exactly like that. No, it's about perspective. It's relative. And um, while I do think there are some overarching themes that can universally benefit all of us, you know, if you were to break them down um, and unpack them, I sincerely believe that talking is like, I don't know, just something we don't do and it might help. I think it's just having um, a foundation of respect. Totally. And then once you kind of, okay, we're, we're two people willing to listen. Absolutely. That's what it is about too. It's about being willing to listen. Absolutely. So if you're just coming with your own agenda, that's, that's not going to work. Abs- absolutely. I got into an argument on stage on that corn tour with um, this, this guy. He was just upset with what I was saying and he was yelling at me. Um, it was in Colorado. And I was, I was like, what's wrong? Like, I just stopped everything. I'm like, what's wrong? And I let him speak. And I was like, well, here's what I think. And here's my answer to that. And we like went back and forth. And I was like, I got to get to this song, unfortunately, but let's continue this. And sure enough, he reached out to me. That's amazing. He reached out to me and he did apologize. He had obviously, he he said he had been drinking. So he was, Mm -hmm. you know, um, heightened in his emotions. But we talked for months. He sent me letters, handwritten letters, explained his story. He was, he was, so he was, um, a vet mm-hmm. and he'd been talking to me about his experience Ugh. and it was just so fascinating because we were talking in the beginning I was like you know I, I I wasn't necessarily there to be shifted from my perspective necessarily but I wanted to hear his right yes and I went in and told him what I thought and at first I thought he was going to combat me with like something antithetical or being like well I actually was in the trenches this is what he said to me 
eventually, as I listened to him and we had more conversation, he was like, actually, I'm quite traumatized from what I experienced in the name of this country and the way I was treated. And, and then we found a common ground. Mm-hmm. I was like, but that's what I'm saying. Right. I know that I'm I'm speaking from, you know, you know, from the, uh, element of POC and black culture because that's where I'm from. Right. That's what I know. I, I know that, but I know that these things, these injustices affect all of us because at the end of the day, you know, in this, in this country, in this system, in the way that most of capitalism works, it's about the dollar. It's mm-hmm. about money. So mm-hmm. you can be, you know, you can be poor, black, poor, Mexican, poor, white, poor, Asian, like, and so that's where we found ourselves was feeling um, disaffected and cast aside. Right. And it was, it was unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. Wow. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's sort of like a, a microcosm right. of what ideally can happen. Right. It's just two people both sharing their perspectives. Absolutely. Listening and finding the common ground. Absolutely. I mean, look, if you can have these like literal neo-Nazis come back around and be like, oh, actually, I was just a sad, like lost person and I found community here. And, and, and sit and talk to someone like that, who, who, who for me is like quite literally the, the diametric opposition to what I believe in and have that conversation and then be like, no, uh, actually I was wrong. Why can't I be like, yo, the way I approached this change might've been not as graceful as it, you know, could have been like, why can't I do that? So I don't think it should always be one-sided, I guess is what I'm saying, you know? And I think that What's hard in my circle, you know, the more like liberal or radical, you know, side of things is I feel like we have no room for anyone that isn't like us. And I Mm -hmm. just, I just think I'm like, foundationally, that feels wrong. Yes. Do you know what I mean? I absolutely do. I do know what you mean. So I, I don't know. I'm finding myself often, you know, kind of floating in these spaces and commenting when I, not like literally like, but you know, making, having discourse about these things. And um, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I can't even sit yeah. here and pretend like I know the answer, but I do know that it would, I just feel like I've seen that it's better if we just, if we have discourse, if we actually talk, mm-hmm. you know, empathy, I guess. It's, it's empathy. Right? It, it's empathy. It's compassion. It's communication. Right. Like that's it. I mean, you got to think of it, right? I, I literally know people from where I'm from that have done wild things, like wild, like deplorable things. And now they're better. Mm-hmm. That's all I can say, right? right. Like I, right. I know that I've done things that I would never do now, said things that I would never say now because I learned mm-hmm. and I felt and, and here I am. And I think it's kind of wild how we completely sort of just uh, stopped any uh, opportunity for evolution or, or, or education. Right. I don't know. It's interesting. What do you hope your sons learn from you? To be respect, to be respectable and respectful. Yes. That's it. I think that that's the, the crux of everything, right? Just be a respectable person and respect others. And you'll find everything else will um, proliferate from Chills. that. You know what I mean? Chills. I, I believe that is the foundation. 100%. As a human being, as That's a fellow it. homo sapien. That's it. When I walk down the street, I'm in an elevator. I make eye contact with someone and smile mm. because we're both humans mm. on this earth. Right. It comes down to that right. for me. Wow. 
I never, I always make, good morning, how are you? In the elevator, I'm not in my phone. I'm actually not. I'm like, we are human beings doing our best on this earth. And and Brian laughs at me because sometimes I say it to people and they don't say it back to me or they're not listening or whatever. And then he's like, dis, you know? (laughs) I talk all the time and he laughs at me because I'm like, good morning. You know, but I think that that moment, that human connection is important. Absolutely. But that's it, right? I think that's where we live now is, we're so easily able to disconnect. Right. Right? Right. It's so simple. Yes. It's I so make it simple. my mission to connect. Yes. Yes. It's, it's a crazy time. It's a crazy time to be a human, mm-hmm. I think. You know? It is. We have, we have these things that are finding their way to uh, emulate us and imitate us. AI and yeah, robots. I, and It's like dark mirror, twilight zone. It's crazy. It is. So it's we have crazy. to do our best to sort of stay grounded and connect human to human as much as we can. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I couldn't, I love that you do that and say that. And I, mm-hmm. I, I notice that too. Every time, every time I'm with you, you're like so engaged. Aww. It's so amazing. I was raised that way. My parents are, are, I'm very blessed that I was raised that way. And I, that's how I raise our boys. So. That's huge. I'm Jin, same way. And actually we, we like can't be on our phones around the kids mm-hmm. because it makes it okay. Right. Right. Especially in this world, we had a, a young child who, who's, who's lovely. We just moved over to Venice and uh, we met one of our neighbors and he was lovely, lovely little kid. And he goes to pass to, to my son, Pascal. Do you, uh, yeah, well we can play on our, we can do it on iPads. And Pascal's like, my mom has one, but I don't have an iPad. Right. And he was like, Oh, you can use mine. And my son was like, that's all right. <sighs> you know, like good he, parenting over yeah, there. He good just, for you. He just yeah. doesn't know why. Right. Yeah. I feel like these things are kind of like imparted upon you through through life. It's like, you need this because of this. Right. I didn't have a cell phone. Dude, I was the last one of my um, friend group to have a cell phone. I had a pager forever. <laughs> pager. I love it. I you love it. In so the like, 2000s. Yeah. Like, you know, and I had a pager. And um, I, I, I can admit that I became someone different when I got a cell phone. Yeah. 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 You know? We all just need to play outside. Adults. Yeah. Kids, yeah. everyone, we should all just be outside. Totally. You know? Totally. And, and breath, breathe that fresh air. Absolutely. All right, let's do deep cuts really quickly. Yeah, yeah. What was your first concert? My dad's. Oh, yeah. that's amazing. Yeah, my dad's just doing like a lowrider event um, hosted by Art LeBeau, rest in peace. Um, yeah, it's just my dad's. Oh, that's so great. <laughs> what is a song you wish you wrote? Glycerine. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Back to Gavin. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. What is your favorite movie? Back to the Future 1, 2, and 3. Okay, we've never discussed this That's before. That's crazy. Yeah. It's my favorite. Oh, it's my favorite. Favorite. It's my absolute I quote favorite. it daily. Any of them. I've got it tattooed on me. We should go to the, it's it's on Broadway. Oh, 100% we going. Should go. I went to the Hollywood Bowl one. Yeah. Everyone's dressed like yes. Marty McFly in different iterations. So good. Okay, Back to the Future 2 is like my favorite. <laughs> yeah, okay. it's so good. Amazing. That's Another the connection. best one. But it no, is the best one. Two is the best one. one. Yeah. Two is the best one. It is, it is. Connection. Um, what is your favorite meal or cuisine? <laughs> to me, <laughs> this is like all my vegan friends are going to be so upset because I, I am myself vegan, eat vegan, vegetarian. I've tried chicken. <laughs> it's my favorite. It is my favorite. It is. It's it just, I don't know. I think it's like 
partially just comforting because it reminds mm-hmm. me of a time in my life. But also, yeah, I don't eat it now, but um, that that's like my favorite. If you were not a musician, what would you be? A teacher. Oh, yeah. You would be an incredible teacher. Thank you. you would be an incredible teacher. Thank you. Thank wow. You. Okay. That's what I wanted to do. Yeah. yeah. And you could still. And I, you do I, teach in a way. Thank you. You do. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd love to. I'd love I to. I can see you doing that. What is something fans might be surprised to learn about you? Shoot, I don't really know because I, I'm so, I try to be so open about everything. Um, oh, you know what? Yeah, to, to your point about like with the connection with Jen and, and you being like, that makes sense. We had a really, really difficult time last year um, as I was having a difficult time in my career and just my life. Uh, we had a really, really difficult time in our marriage and it was fucking wild. So, mm-hmm. I mean, that's just me being like more recently vulnerable, I guess. But yeah, I think people would be, because I think that you only, I, I would, of course, I'm not going to post that we're arguing. Right. I'm posting us at shows together or with yeah. our kids or, you know, whatever. So, no, I mean, I, um, as awesome and amazing and incredible as our relationship is, it was very tumultuous last mm-hmm. year. Yeah. You know, things get tried. Absolutely. Because we get tried. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Um, if you could meet any celebrity dead or alive, who would it be? Probably James Brown. Oh, yeah. 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 Probably James Brown. Just, I mean, for obvious reasons. But like. Yeah. Early James Brown, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, when he was like first on the come up. Yeah. Yeah. Who would be your dream collaboration? Dead or alive or just alive? Maybe alive. Alive. Yeah. yeah. Probably right now would probably be um, probably Kendrick Lamar. Yeah. yeah. Just because I think that he's uh, he's just more than a rapper. Oh. Do you know what I mean? He is in a league of his own. He is. He's he an is. artist. He's an artist. He's an artist. I think he transcends genre. That's it. He's that, an artist. That's it. And And because he's able to be an artist. A popular artist, yes. artiste, a popular uh, yes. artiste. Yes, he's that's, an artiste. That's difficult. It's difficult to say things that are so deep and have the whole world sing it back to you. He is one of a kind. Yes, yes, Yeah, yes, yes, that's, yes. I mean, you two together would be incredible. Let's put it out there. Yeah, that'd be so sick. That'd be amazing. That'd be so sick. Are there words you live by? That's such a good, I've never thought about that. Just do do good, be good, really. Mm-hmm. Um. No, I don't have any, like, I don't have a quote. Uh, well, I feel like be respectable and be respectful. Yeah. I like that. That's probably it. That's it. That's yeah. it. That's I really, think that's really. the one. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it. Yeah. I'm like, I'm going with that. Yeah, that one works. Um, what do you hope to achieve next? Mm. I think what I'm trying to do is never ending. Mm-hmm. I think it's just going to be a continual. Because I, the one quote that I, I subscribe to and that I speak to people is, um, the real idea of community is planting trees that you know you'll never sit under. Oh. Right? Wow. Yes. And so I just want to keep planting more trees. And maybe I could plant bigger ones or a few more than last year. I just want to be better. I just want to be better, not for me. Well, yes, for me, but also mostly for others. But it really starts with my kids, huh? Like mm-hmm. they are the prime um example and sort of um they're my gauge yes. on on what I'm doing is it is it good is it good enough um because if it's good enough for them then it, it should be good enough for the world yeah you know oh my god jason thank you so much <laughs> oh, thank i you, could Allie. sit thank with you. you for hours <laughs> you are a beautiful soul you, it goes both ways i'm so grateful for you that, thank you thank you thank you for Ugh. real and also let me just say this to the camera <laughs> Sincerely, when you've made me feel so seen, not just right now, but this entire time, 
And I don't actually know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm getting like kind of emotional. Aww. I actually don't know if, um, I don't know if I'd be able to continue doing what I do with the critique, cast, you know, the criticisms, the the ups and downs without you. Oh, like, wow. Sincerely, your, oh, your no, advocacy. I'm, I mean I'm it. Crying. I mean it. And I think there's many people out there that feel the same way because wow. you're like the realest of the real when it comes to advocating for us artists. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Okay, mm. I'm actually crying. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I love you. I love you too. There I go again, tearing up on my show. It happens. That's what happens here. I think it is quite apparent how much I cherish these heartfelt conversations. And Jason is someone near to my heart, plus his music invigorates me and ignites me in a very unique way. It's like an electric shock in the best possible way. It is now time for my sound advice, new music you need to know on the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist. First up is Manchester band Hot Milk, whose self-produced debut album, A Call to the Void, is out today. They explained, we wrote songs with the intention of people going off, making you feel good, opening the pit up, letting go, crying, getting on your mate's shoulders. It's church for us. I love the energy and raw emotion in these songs. Really happy for them. Check out Breathing Underwater. Next up is the latest from the Telescreens, who are from my hometown of New York, represent. I first found out about these guys from Juliette Lewis, who is in one of their music videos. And I love Juliette Lewis, so anything she's a part of, I tune in. And I gravitated to their music instantly. They said that Nirvana's Nevermind was the muse for this EP, which involved practicing until the brink of insanity and recording live with everyone in the room together. Their mission is to spread rock and roll, and their EP, Stairwide, is out today. Check out Time like these. Next up is Trey and the Sunbillies. Originally from Virginia, now based in Long Beach, Trey says he makes songs about Mondays and Tuesdays so you could dance to him on Friday. I love this. He puts on a killer live show and definitely channels his inner Iggy pop when performing. He says he wants to leave you feeling like you experienced something. Check out Everything is Gray out today. That's my sound advice this week. Search for the Allison Hagendorf Show playlist wherever you listen to music. Thank you so much, as always, for being part of the Allison Hagendorf Show. New episodes drop every Friday, so make sure you follow and subscribe so you don't miss a thing. You can find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can also watch the show on YouTube. I would love to hear from you, so please like, comment, rate, review, whatever you are feeling, and reach out to me on socials at Allie Hagendorf. I would love to connect with you. Let me know who I should interview next and who I should feature on my sound advice. Thanks again. I'll see you next week. And remember, you're a rock star. 